Welcome to Season 2 of the 52 Weeks Podcast. A series where four people come together to dream big, start small, and act daily. Hey guys, this is Meredith. This year, I want to kill it at learning the guitar and make yummy recipes. Why, hello! Steph here, and 2021 is going to be my year to run faster, eat all the veggies, and read more than ever before. I'm Heidi, a new addition this season, and I'm excited to be here. This year, I'm slowing down, showing more gratitude, and embracing the whole spectrum of real life. I'm the base of the podcast, Josh. This year, I want to have a failure each day and achieve my goals for my company, JP Couture. Make sure to subscribe so you don't have FOMO. Welcome to Heidi's Hot Seat. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, Heidi. Where we get to ask you all the questions. I can't wait. (laughs) We literally have her in a corner and we're all facing her. Just kidding, we aren't. We wouldn't do that to Heidi. They are. Don't let them lie to you. (laughs) You might remember Heidi from week 11. She was our glowing goalie back when we had that as a thing. And Heidi has always been someone that I just... I really admire when it comes to goals because she has it down. Yeah, you were a role model. That's why we had you early on in this season last year, <laughs> so we could follow your example. It's been a long time coming, guys. It didn't. It started young. It's a problem I'm working with. I love it. It's a good problem to start with. I guess. So Heidi, kind of start us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in a small Nevada town. Anything you imagine about small towns, right? Riding in the back of pickup trucks hanging out with cows, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Did you do cow tipping? Personally, no. Cows are really heavy. They don't tell you these things, but they're really hard to push over. We did have cows in my backyard, though. I mean, down the hill from me a bit. So I grew up in this town in Nevada, deserty, lived on a rock hill, small town. Came up to Utah for school. I was never going to be a teacher, and I was never going to graduate in the language that I learned on my mission. So I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and some people choose to serve missions. I chose to serve one and was sent to Chile, um, where I learned Spanish. So I was never going to be a teacher and never going to have my major be Spanish. Then I turned into a high school Spanish teacher. And (laughs) so never say never. Um, It will come back to get you. But I really loved being a Spanish teacher. I taught high school Spanish in Arizona for seven years, part of the Teach for America program. And I loved it and I loved my kids. And then uh, it just came a point in time where I wanted to be closer to family and closer to my siblings. How do you be the favorite aunt if you're not close to the nieces and nephews? So I decided I needed to move to where they were. So I came back to Utah and now I am a learning and development specialist um, at Ancestry.com and work with the genealogists. So I love talking about dead people and their stories and how to find out about their lives. While I'm not at work, I love the sunshine and summer, which is why I lived in Arizona for seven years, and uh, hosting parties and having a good time. Those are my priorities, having a good time. I love it. And the sun. (laughs) Which is actually how I met Heidi, is because we were headed to have a good time at Lake Powell early this, that's life. We had a good time camping last year, and we rekindled our friendship by going on a boating trip together and had long drive together, car ride and all. It's the best place to, best way to meet somebody. Car talk. Yep. Tech car talk. talk. Yeah. Fire talk. 
Yeah. Um, with you being a goalie for last year, what kind of prompted you to want to become so focused on goals? I blame Benjamin Franklin. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. He said, dost thou love life? Then do not squander time for that's the stuff life's made of. And I read that quote. I don't know. I don't know how old I was, but it was a really long time ago. And I do love life. I just love living it, right? And so to live it, then don't squander time. And if you're not squandering time, well, then you've got to have priorities and lists and idea of like work hard, play hard. I really like to play hard. It's, it's like that story of the two wolves and like which one will win. It's the one that you feed, right? And so I feel like I have these two wolves inside of me, the be productive. I love being productive. I also love having a good time. And so it's like, how do I make both of those happen? Well, you have to have goals to make sure that you're like getting getting it all. I just really love it. I love so. how excited she gets. Like if only you guys could see her face right now. She's like into it. She lights up. Her face lights up when she talks so about I think goals. Goals. I think you just, I just really want to have a good life. For me, that includes like doing things and making sure I'm not wasting it. Started young something Get them while they're young yeah go benjamin <laughs> benjamin yes, franklin seriously. and if you haven't read his autobiography he does that right so he like tracks his goals and he maybe that's where i got the tracker idea from too mm -hmm. right but he tracks his goals and he marks them off and he analyzes himself and benjamin franklin we can blame him maybe that'll be one of the books i read this year it's a good one yeah i have never heard of that quote that's an amazing quote yeah and i'm gonna link your episode from that week 11 where you talk about more like your different goals and everything because you had a goal to be classy and you have a bunch of becoming goals and everything so people can hear more about that goal side yeah and that's she talks a little bit about this but i actually want you to expound a little bit on the becoming goals versus the doing goals because i think that's a profound thing i was sharing it with somebody else this week and they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. I had never heard that before, so I'm going to assume most of you haven't <laughs> or <laughs> others of you haven't. So uh, kind of share with us because that's how you build most of your goals is based off those two categories, right? Or is that a new thing? I mean, it's new as in probably like the last three years or something. So okay. in, in the more recent part of my life, but I think that I've always kind of been a checklist person, right? I love putting things on checklists. If I do things, then sometimes I write them on my checklist so I can check them off, right? <laughs> so I've always really liked checklists. I like one and dones. I like projects. But at some point, I realized that a resolution is, if you're actually setting like New Year's resolutions, you're changing something about yourself. You're becoming something different, right? And so it's not just a checklist it's a this is how I want to be different and I had this thought about like if I could take my future life you know we all have these dreams about who we want to be or what our perfect life is and so what characteristics of that future self do I want now and how can I start living them now so that I actually become that person I want to become and and can any of those characteristics be me right now and so that's kind of where the becoming came from was I'm going to need to form habits and I'm going to need to create a lifestyle that allows me to be that person that I think I want to be. Because because of the checklist and do thing, right? I like for running. Let's say I was going to run a Ragnar. And so like 
I don't know, five weeks before the Ragnar, I'd be like, oh no, it's coming up. And so I'd run and run and run and run to train. And then after the Ragnar, I would stop running. So I was kind of this like sporadic trainer where what I want to become is a person that runs or a person who is active or a person who has a healthy lifestyle. And so changing it from, oh, I ran a Ragnar, check. I did a marathon, check, to I run, I'm a runner. And how I'd rather be that person than a, you know, one and done mm-hmm. till you kill yourself <laughs> type of thing. I love it. Another thing that I love about you, Heidi, is we were sitting around this campfire and everyone was saying something. And this was like, no one really knew each other at this campfire. This is where Meredith and Heidi met. Mm-hmm. And sorry, Josh, that you weren't there. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so offended now. Yeah. <laughs> But we can reenact this one day. No. The question was brought up, what do you wish that more people knew about you? And Heidi said that she wished that people knew that she was tough. And that she, like, she's had, like, knives, like, broken up knife fights at school and different things. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Um, Well, I'm short. You can't tell this listening to me. But I'm this short little girl. And I've been short and little my whole life. How tall are you? Unless you don't want you to know, say it, you know, almost 5'2". <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, I just, I just I'm just like, I'm just little. And, um, and so, and I'm nice. I'm little and I'm nice mm-hmm. and I'm female, right? And so I think um, people might assume that I like can't do hard things or I can't endure or I, I'm not tough or whatever. Um, but... The school that I taught at um, was technically a rougher area of the city, but I I loved my kids and I they respected me and I respected them and we got along great. I mean, kind of the the perfect story of this is so I used to take my students to Europe, and we were in Germany and I got separated from my sister. I had gone to find some kids and I had given my sister my coat that had my phone and my money and everything in it. And I had gone to find these kids. And and her thought was, should I be worried about Heidi? I haven't seen her in a long time. It's been a while. And, and automatically her thought was, it was kind of a joke, right? Like, we're not worried about Heidi. Heidi can take care of herself. She, if anyone can get it done, Heidi can get it done. Heidi will be fine. She's like, even if Heidi, we were on this mountain, even if Heidi like falls down the mountain, she'll like crawl her way to the bus, right? To like it. get on, yeah. right? And so it's kind of this this funny joke in the family of like, Heidi will crawl her way to the bus to like get there. So, I th- but I think that's not visibly apparent because I'm just this little thing. I'm trying to be classy, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't wear rough and tough clothes because I, I, I'd like to pretend that I didn't grow up with cows sometimes. <laughs> so so um, we joke that the town we I grew up in is we call it the armpit of America, and I try not to have that persona. <laughs> so, so so I think people will be like, oh, you know, she she's cute and little and dresses nice. She can't do anything. Yeah, right? that was quite the opposite of Heidi. <laughs> One thing I know about Heidi is she doesn't watch a lot of television. It's true. Like ever. But that's not something that you share with a lot of people. No, I don't. Because it's not a huge part of my life, it yeah. doesn't really matter to mm-hmm. me that that they do and I don't. 
I don't feel like I'm missing out mm -hmm. on the world, right? Like I don't think like, oh, I really wish I could watch that TV show. And it's fine that they that they do. I mean, if if that's how they want to leisure, I personally like have a hard time sitting still that long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just not the way I would choose to like relax or recreate. I mean, does thou love life? Then do not squander time. So if I had to choose, like, Heidi, you want to relax. What do you want to do? Very rarely is, like, watching TV or watching the movie how I want to relax. Like, I can find, for me, more fulfilling ways to relax or more fulfilling ways to recharge or more fulfilling ways to be entertained than watching a movie or TV. So what do you choose to relax, choose to do to relax? in the summer outside anything outside like mountains campfire swimming getting sunburned like anything outside um I, I like reading for me reading is the ultimate relaxation because you cannot multitask while you actually physically read That's a book true. you can't read a book and do something else, right? Like you just sit there, that's all you're doing. You're sitting and like your whole focus is on reading. And um, so I love that complete kind of escape of that. Do you have uh, different types of books that you like to read or is it just one like fiction or nonfiction? While I'm audio booking, I'm a nonfiction, um, either historical or biographical. I, I did a thing a couple years ago where I read books about things I didn't know anything about. So I read I read a book about the Quakers. I read a book about Freemasons. I read a book about Mother Teresa, uh, Frederick Douglass, like the Apollo 11 shuttle, and just like random stuff that pirates, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Make I, me want to read so much. <laughs> so that's still kind of going on, right? Of just interesting facts or times and places like David McCullough, right? The Johnstown flood, like. I didn't even know that happened. So audiobooks are usually some sort of like nonfiction story that's written really well. So it sounds like it's not real. Uh, when I read, when I sit down and leisurely read, it's entertainment, pure fluff. Like, just tell me a good story. I don't want it to be like, I don't want to learn from it. <laughs> I don't want, I just want to laugh and have a good time. So anything like light and fluffy and entertaining. Well, and one thing I love about this year is you were trying to have yourself like sit more and you had a goal to watch more like movies. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. like who does that? <laughs> I have a goal to watch more. But I think that like you have a really good balance of things. Like you said, you don't care what other people are doing. Heidi's not someone that she's like, well guys, like I'm so great with my time. Like I don't watch this stuff. Like that's that's what I admire about you. You aren't like being all like, this is what you need to do. You just like live your life. You do the things that you need to do. And I, I honestly feel like you were someone that like, when um, I went to your birthday party a couple of years ago, and everyone there said something that they loved about Heidi, and the theme was, is that all of us, she was the first person that we met when we moved to an area. And so Heidi like reaches out, but you're also just very consistent at whatever it is you wanna do in life. And so that's why sometimes you need to take a step back and be like, I'm just gonna chill for a bit and have that be your goal. One day I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as well, I mean, Steph is very, very friendly and very, you know, be that first person because we've been that first person. I was that person, right? Who was like, doesn't someone want to sit by me? You know, who's going to say hi? And and I would sit by a new person and be like, I'm new, you know? Uh, or I remember one time sitting 
in the same spot every single week um, at this meeting and watching someone else sit by themselves in their same spot every single week, both of us by ourselves. So eventually I just went over and said, hey, I sit by myself every week. You sit by you yourself every week. Want to be friends? I'm Heidi. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love it. So nobody wants to be that first person, but somebody's got to be that first person. Isn't so. that amazing? Because it's not that hard to be yeah. that first person, but there's something so yeah. awkward about it or the weirdness of initiating. Maybe that person doesn't want to talk to me. Well, okay, we're well afraid, next time right? I know. Yeah, we're afraid to initiate it and we're afraid it might be awkward. And it, it might be, but you'll get over it. Awkwardness is only going to last a little bit, right? When I was growing up, I so I lived in the cow town, right? And then we would drive into Vegas to go. I was in this choir, this um, state choir. And so we would drive into Vegas for practices. And as a general rule, you should never look at billboards in Vegas. That's that's the general <laughs> rule. But <laughs> there was one billboard that said, and I was scared because I was from this little town, right? I mean, there were a hundred people in my grade and I was going to sing in a choir with hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. And so I was scared. I was just this little town girl, like going to big old Vegas schools, right? And um, the billboard said, your best friend was once a stranger. And I thought about it, and it's true, right? I mean, you had to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. That best friendship had to start with something. And so I thought, okay, I can go to this choir with all of these people I don't know, and I can make friends and here. It's got to start somewhere. And the rate of success, I mean, you're not going to be best friends with everybody you meet, mm -hmm. but they're going to be, at some point, you're going to say like, I like you. You like me. Like, want to be friends? Let's do it. And then it's going to work. Yeah. I actually think that might have been an exact conversation between me and Heidi. I think so, too. I, I, really, think, I really like you. Can I, we just... I do think we had that conversation. She gave me a blanket when we were camping. <laughs> no, I do think that that was a conversation between us. Like, I see us being friends. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with this. Okay. <laughs> And then we didn't talk again for a year. <laughs> so we went to but when they said, Steph and Meredith are coming to PAL, I was like, done. I I'm like in. them. <laughs> I will go. Check. <laughs> so, Heidi, can you tell us about, like, to get a little bit deeper? Sure. Okay. Um, but about a challenge or obstacle that was hard for you to overcome and how you were able to. Kind of going on with this, one of my goals this year, which is to slow down. That's mm -hmm. been a goal for years because um, growing up, right? Don't waste time. Don't squander time. That's life. Also, anything worth doing is worth doing well. So you got you to gotta be good at everything you do. And then um, it, <laughs> this, I don't know if this is a normal saying or if my family just says it, but can't is a sluggard too lazy to try. So if you can't do it, it's because you're not trying hard enough. So these are kind of the ideologies that I grew up with. I'm not saying they're correct or good, but that's how I was raised, right? Um, and maybe self-inflicted. So then I get to be 30 years old and I'm running faster than I have strength. Um, but a lot of my self-worth is coming from I can do things, I can do them well, I can do all the things, I will be successful at it. Can you do this? Of course I can do it. What, what is it? You know, whatever. And so it just reached a point where my body started saying, you need to stop. You need to slow down. Like, you can't keep going like this. Um, and so I was having some very physical ailments 
of living a stressed life. Um, And so I had to start saying no to things, but then saying no to things, all of a sudden I wasn't the person that could do everything and anything and all the things well. I was this person who had to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that, which was, I mean, totally against anything that I had ever like practiced, right? So then I had to start thinking about, okay, so if anything worth doing is worth doing well, what's worth doing? Okay, so let's reframe this. What's worth doing? Is that worth doing? Is that worth doing? Is that worth doing, right? And like narrowing those things down. Is, can, you know, can't a sluggard too lazy to try? Is it, am I too lazy or am I choosing not to, right? And m- making those choices. So I think the real struggle was finding a new identity for myself that wasn't the person who could do all the things all the time. And that it was okay to say no, to say no. I mean, I had to go to my principal at the time and say, I'm over three clubs. I'm on seven committees. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. I will be on one committee. You can choose which one it is. Um, As a member of the church, we have responsibilities. And I think I have like three different responsibilities. And I had to go to the bishop who, as a general rule, you don't say no to, or I was raised not to say no to the bishop. And I had to go to the bishop and say, I will have one responsibility. You can choose what it is, but I'm not doing three of them. And that was really hard mentally and emotionally to say, I'm going to stop doing these. Um, And I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to think about myself um, and care about myself. And so I think overcoming that, um, some came from help from outside. So I I taught high school. I was a busy teacher. Teachers are busy. And my mom would call me every day at four o'clock and be like, are you going home right now? Are you on your way home? You need to be like, you know, locking up your classroom and leaving today. You know, don't go home at seven. Don't go home at eight. Go home at four. Um, I had to, that was one of the years that I started. um, I set a goal to play the ukulele. So I had to like leave kids you know they'd say hey will you stay after um will you still be here when i get done with football practice so i can come retake my test well staying until after football practice was staying until you know five or six o'clock at night learning how to say no to people who needed that or to needed right to maybe you can come up with a more responsible time come take it during lunch you know or something anyways so i had i had um outside support from from friends and family um my sister sent me a magnet that said do more of what you love so replacing some of that like doing 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 with I love sitting down and reading a funny book right or I love playing the piano or I love whatever it is cooking or something um so I would say that and then and it's something I'm still working on so still learning how to slow down still learning how to um Thomas S. Monson said, people are more important than projects. So how can I shift my my mindset from getting stuff done makes me valuable to loving people makes me valuable. And and I'm still working on that. I'm still working on uh, 
because I, I tend to have more energy than than I would say like the average person. <laughs> and so, so I'm always like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. Let's, you know, all right, what's, what's the plan? Move, you know? So learning how to put that in the right direction, but then also put that towards good things. And what was the first way. thing that you said no to? Oh, good oh. Um, I think probably, oh, I don't know, probably the school stuff though, because I remember, I remember my principal walking by my classroom door and I, you don't, even as an adult, you don't want to go to the principal's office. It's never, <laughs> it's never like a yay, he's calling me to his office kind of thing. Um, and so I remember him walking by and, and it was so hard to just say, look, this is happening. It it was like I was confessing a weakness, right? Like I'm having these physical problems because I can't handle my stress, basically. Where I'd handled stress my whole life, why can't I handle it now, right? And, and interestingly enough, he said that when he had turned 30, he had had kind of this stress eruption type thing too. And so so he was super supportive and... And I'm just really grateful as I've seen other people kind of go through this moment where they're like, I have to slow down. I have to stop living this rat race life or this climb the corporate ladder life or this do it all, have it all, be it all life. Um, and and helping like them be able to say, it's okay. Like you don't have to pick pick what you love, focus on that. Do you still have a hard time saying no? Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. It's still, uh, okay, let me let me think about that. The, the best was, and it, the thing is, is it can be the tiniest little things, right? And it's kind of that like the 80-20 principle mm-hmm. where 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? And so they just keep on asking the same 20% for help. So we're in this... Um, we're in this meeting and I had told a friend, right, expressed that I was stressed or something. We leave the meeting and another guy comes up and asks me if I can bring some grated cheese to a potluck. This is not a big deal. Grated cheese. I can stop at Walmart, pick it up on my way or whatever. And my friend was like, no, she can't. She has too much to do. She's busy or something. You can ask somebody else. And I was like, I, I can, like I can do it. And she was like, no, there are other people who can bring grated cheese. That's not something that Heidi needs to do. And I just wanted to take her and like put her in my pocket and carry her around with me everywhere I went and be like, just say it Leilani, you know, like say, no, she can't. Someone else can do that, right? So, so yeah, I would say I still have problems saying no and, um, but I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better. And also like moving. So this was pre-Utah. Moving to Utah was a good opportunity because everything was off my plate. Right? First start. Nobody knew I used to sing in the choir. Like nobody knew I used to do this or do that or be this or be that. Right? Like nobody knew. I'd get grated cheese at Walmart. Yeah. 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 They don't know I can do that. So, so then um, I was able to very carefully like put things back on my schedule and be more cognizant of what was there and what wasn't. And um, but yeah, still still hard. Still working on slowing down and 
setting goals to watch more movies and <laughs> things like I'll that. Watch them but I like okay. what you said about how like goals and be productive it made you feel valued. You know, like yeah. you felt like you were like worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's hard sometimes because you know we get our worth from different things. And like this, I'm grateful that you like opened up and shared this experience because I think it's relatable whether it's people filling their time with like worthwhile like things but too much or whatever it might be that um, just to like not get our worth from that validation of, oh, I have five things I'm doing this week that make me a great person. No, like you're not because you're Heidi Fulkamikyo, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I do, well, and I think when we, when we lack in some areas, right? Mm -hmm. I'm single. I'd like to be married. So then I think, well, I have to do or be something to to play a role that I want to play because I would like to be a wife and a mother. And so then it's like I had to like work myself up to something that equated this other role that I can't have. I don't have to. Right. Nothing that I will or won't do will make me equatable to that role that I don't have. Like I'm already there and I can just choose how I want to be that other that other role, right? And how I want to, to find value or, and I, I'm not, I don't have to prove, mm -hmm. I guess that, right? I was always trying to be like, I am of worth. Dan, don't you see this? Like mm -hmm. I am of worth and why doesn't anybody see this, right? Mm -hmm. And so trying to like prove that to myself, probably mostly to myself yeah. that Oh yeah, I've got value. I can do all these mm -hmm. things. I can excel at all, mm -hmm. excel at all of these things. I don't need to prove that to myself or to anybody. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, and not as exhausting <laughs> as yeah. I was before. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even for this podcast, you're like, okay, let me take some time to think about it. And I was telling Meredith, I'm like, I hope she says yes. I don't know, but uh, like you. Like for this, I mean, it was a big commitment, right? Yeah. Like 52 week commitment here. Mm -hmm. But that you take that time to be like, okay, is this something that I want? I'm glad you said yes to this. <laughs> I Me am too. too. Both of you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh. We're a team now. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel when you were able to say no to the principal afterwards? I was very grateful that he was understanding and it made me think, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm -hmm. Right? I knew I was stressed. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. right? I also, one of the things I had to go through was when deciding what to say no to. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom saying, Heidi, why don't you get rid of this club? you don't love it. I had inherited it from another teacher who had left, right? The kids needed a sponsor. She's like, it's not your area of interest. It's not your area, area of like specialty. You've never liked it. Why don't you? What was the club? It was, it was called Dance Marathon. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was, um, <laughs> this sounds terrible that I didn't love it, but the idea was to like raise money for a charity. Mm -hmm. And, and so you were supposed to put a, I mean, it's a lot of work. Clubs are a lot of work. Um, and there were things that I did love about it. Um, but it was more that I had to be there every single Tuesday for a couple hours after school. I didn't get anything done while I was there. I couldn't like grade papers mm -hmm. or be productive because there were kids in my room and things. And so anyway, so for her just to say, you've never liked this, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Then it was like, oh, 
what else haven't I loved? What, what's in my life that I don't love? Why am I filling my life with things that I'm not enjoying, that aren't bringing me value or happiness or peace or whatever I'm looking for? And so, so saying no to the principle. And then I remember um, when I spoke to the bishop, the church leader about it, I said, I don't know what to say yes to and what not to say yes to, right? There's a million invitations. Do you want to take a meal to this person? Do you want to, you know, go on these visits? Do you want to teach this class? Do you want to da, 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 da? And, and can I do all the things? Yes, I can technically, sure. Um, so I don't know what to say yes to and what to say no to. I'm working on learning how to say no. What do I say no to? And he said, say yes to what you want to say yes to. If you want to do it, say yes to it. If you don't want to do it, say no to it. And and that was a novel idea. Like, okay, I'll, I'll try and do that, right? So like a sign-up sheet would come around to do something and I think, do I want to do this? No, okay. Another sign-up sheet would come around, do I want to do this? Yeah, that sounds fun. Okay, right? And so, I think the thought with the bishop or with the principal was, this is new. <laughs> this is a new experience. How do I feel? Why, why didn't I, that wasn't too hard, right? Like I can do that. I'm still, I think we tie a lot of our identity in with the role that we play, right? Mm -hmm. And so then can we still, we question if we can still have an identity if we aren't doing certain things or what part of our identity will we lose if we stop doing certain things? And so then kind of analyzing what part of my identity do I want to keep and what do I need to do to keep that identity? And, and are there things I'm doing that I don't need to do? And do I need that part of of what I think is identifying me. Or even just placing the labels. You're like, yeah. I am, I'm this person. Mm -hmm. Is that really something you wanted to be? Do I need to be that person? Yeah. Who's saying that I need to be that person? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it me? Is it somebody else? Is it society? Is it some idea? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You just sound so healthy. This <laughs> <laughs> is years after her stress Yeah, because it's been a while. So. <laughs> well, one of the things that you do enjoy is hosting. Yes. So can you tell Josh about the party that you used to host? Where you would you were very specific with people. You're like, no, this is not for ventures. Yes. This is like for people to come share about that party. Yes. So... If you ask my family, one of my uh, non-talents, which is something I'm embracing this year, one of my used to be non-talents is that I did not cook, didn't cook. So, I mean, I used to eat like hot dogs and green beans in college, because guess what? You can warm both of those up in the microwave and they last forever. And <laughs> I probably shouldn't have admitted that, but. Um, it's <laughs> a strange combination. It's gross, guys, it's gross, it's gross. Be surprised I'm still alive, okay? <laughs> vegetable in there somewhere yeah, okay, and sense. green beans come in cans and I don't know so gross anyways so whenever like a potluck would come up I it, that was a very stressful situation bring your favorite dish or something uh you want some green beans like I don't know what do you want from me right and then I was a teacher so I would make like I had tuna fish for like every day of the week right I would make my lunches at the beginning of the week and go to the end of the week anyways so 
I decided I needed to learn how to cook. So I started Cultural Food Night because if you're eating food from another country, nobody knows what it's supposed to taste like. Nobody knows if I'm a bad cook because you've never had this food from Albania, have you? No. So <laughs> it wasn't pitting my non-skills against your family recipe that won last year at the county fair. It's just me pitting <laughs> my non-skills against you pitting your non-skills because neither of us have ever made food from this foreign country. So, um, however, because this was a very vulnerable experience for me to like put my non-skills out there, I wanted other, other people also needed to contribute. Um, so I created Cultural Food Night and the rules were that you had to bring something that you had made from the country that we picked. So we went through the alphabet and we did one country from each letter. So we did Albania, um, we did Belgium twice because Belgium's really good guys. <laughs> we did, I think we did Cuba, um, Denmark. Anyway, so we just went through and did one country each. But you had to, you had to get online, you had to find a recipe, you had to make it and you had to bring it. And then while you were here, uh, um, you couldn't have your cell phone. This was not, we're not gathering to watch YouTube videos. That's not why we're here. We're here to have like this cultural experience. So we did trivia about the country. Um, we would listen to music from the country. Sometimes we'd play a game from that country, whatever it was. But if you didn't bring something to contribute, you couldn't come. I'm not here to feed you. I'm not your mom. We're all adults here. <laughs> like come and be vulnerable and contribute because if I've made something, I am now in. I've paid my dues. I'm not just here because it's free food. I'm here because I care enough to make the effort to make something and to bring it and to be part of, it's like you're buying a ticket to a show, right? Like it's saying, I care enough about this to be there. So, um, so it was really secret because I had friends that I felt like were my friends, but wouldn't follow the rules. And so they didn't get invited. I'm sorry, if you cannot come and follow the rules, you're not gonna come. So, um, it, and it was also great because it was this standing, um, cause it was once a month. And so we all knew when it was like, we would decide that day, like, Hey, when is it going to be next month? And then we had something to invite people to, if we had, if we met a cool person or something, Hey, we have this cultural food night. Um, it, we're doing Fiji. The idea is that you have to make something from Fiji and bring it to this party. Do you want to come? And that was also kind of a cool way to filter. Like are people, what do I call them? Social parasites? Are you a social parasite or are you a contributor? And then we would find kind of this group of contributors who were willing to not only enjoy, but also participate and add to events. So from that, I, I now cook more than green beans and hot dogs, guys. <laughs> and uh, learned a lot about countries of the world. We actually finished it. Um, like right before I moved to Utah quite suddenly, um, I got a job offer and they were like, we want you here like in two weeks. And I had Y and Z left. And so um, we, on my way from Arizona to Utah, I stopped at small town, Nevada, and did what we called Zealand for New Zealand. <laughs> and did Zealand and then like came on up. So um, I do love to host, but I, I love, um, 
I mean, there's different types, right? There's different types of parties. There are different purposes. Sometimes the point is just to chill around a campfire, right? Sometimes it's to get to know people. Sometimes it's to um, purposely like have people meet. Sometimes um, it's to focus on a certain event, right? Like we're going to watch the game. We're going to watch it good, right? <laughs> so um, that's probably the extremist, Heidi, right? The one that's like, no, there's a purpose to this. Mm -hmm. We will do it right. I mean, <laughs> it's going to be fun, but it is going to be good fun. <laughs> um, so cultural food night. It was a great time to set those rules. And, uh, and, and eventually some friends found out. But I mean, there was even one guy that was in a room or in a, an apartment full of guys that I was like, you can come, but here's the deal. I don't feel like your roommates are going to follow the rules. So you have to be really like when they ask you why you're making stuffed bell peppers, mm -hmm. you're you're going to have to come up with something. They can't carry them out of the house. Yeah, I can't yeah. say. <laughs> but I love this because you had talked about with your goal of wanting to be a better host. There was this, the host book that you read. What was it? Oh, the art of gathering. The art of gathering. Yes. And how like different social events have different rules and different yes. and stuff. And I think that like this is something where a lot of times people are like, in today's society, don't give a commitment, mm -hmm. don't bring something, you know. But see, so you're bringing all these people that contributed, so it makes it a lot more fun because if one person's like, I'm not playing this weird game because to them it's weird, they've never done it. Right. But to someone else, it's like, no, this is a cultural experience, so then you're able to have more people. Yeah. Well, and then you have people, again, who are in, right? Uh -huh. So that person who doesn't want to play my cultural game, maybe they're a great, like, football, yeah. you know, player or football companion to go to a game uh -huh. with, right? Or maybe maybe that person who doesn't want to play that game is the one who I talk nerdy books with or yeah. something, right? So, but you want to have that experience together with people who are willing. And one of the things that the book talks about is that when people, when you host a party and people come, they expect you to fulfill a certain role. They're trusting you. They're trusting you with their time. They're trusting you with their experience. And so as a host, it's your job to set up the rules and the expectations and the parameters so that people know what they're, what they're gonna have, what's gonna happen here. Am I safe here? Is this a good place? Um, and so, so setting up those rules says these are the rules everyone's going to participate everybody's going to bring something it's okay if it's terrible and people would say guys this is terrible <laughs> i tried it but go ahead you know and we'd be like okay here we go you know i'll try it um so there's there's a certain level of trust in that in that situation in that setting as well and it almost it makes it easier for your guests to come because they feel comfortable knowing exactly what they're walking into mm-hmm Mm -hmm. I mean, because have you ever wondered like, hey, we're having a party tonight at my house. Okay. What what kind of party? Is this like a sweatpant kind of party? <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or what? I mean, are we playing games? Are we watching movies? Are we talking? Are we... What's the agenda? What's the agenda? Yeah. I mean, I hate to break it down like that. Sometimes we want to know who's going to be there. Um, you know, like, tell me more about this, this party. Are... 30 people going to be there or three people going to be there? Mm -hmm. That's like a whole different emotional experience. You're like, are you telling me a party or is this just going to be me and you? Me and you, which is <laughs> fine too. If you say, hey, do you want to just come out and hang out with me tonight? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for setting the right expectations. Mm -hmm. I will come in my sweatpants. <laughs> 100%. Um, okay. So what do you feel like 
most people, so we had talked about how most people don't know that you're tough. Mm. But what do you feel like are some other things that people don't know about you? I thought that I hit this better than I do. So, but apparently I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I, because in my mind, I've been this like goal driven, get it done kind of person, right? One time in, we have a family book club. And one time in family book club, we read a book called Motivators. And you take a test and it's supposed to tell you what motivates you. And this was really interesting to me at the time. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a career. And, and so we take this test and then we guessed what the people were like, okay, what do you think Bradley's motivator is? And what do you think, you know, your mom's motivator is and stuff. And so when, when they got to me, my brother was like, Heidi, we all know what your motivator is. And I was like, you, you do? Cause I don't know what my motivator is. How, how dare you know what my motivator is? And um, he said, you're motivated by fun. And I was like, can't I be motivated by like social impact or something? <laughs> and he was like, no, it's fun. Um, he's like, your perfect job would be cruise director. <laughs> and I was like, that seems so shallow. But the more I thought about it, it's totally true. I mean, I went into teach. I was never going to be a teacher, remember? And I went and observed this class. And they were having fun. The kids were hilarious. They were saying funny things. And I just laughed at them all the time. And as a teacher, the second in my head, I thought, I'm bored. We played a game. I mean, an educational game. We were memorizing verbs and vocab, right? But it was a game. And so the more I thought about it and I thought about um, choices I'd made in my life and paths I'd gone down, whether something is fun or not is like a huge motivator for me like variety and mixing things up. And um, and so I think because I tend to be business-like and goal setting and like, uh, you know, diligent and things like that, I think the fun kind of gets, in my mind it gets lost, but apparently at least my family knows that fun, like I'm just, I just like to have a good time. And if we're sitting around, I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do now? Like, let's spice this up. Or let's have like the best relaxing, whatever it is, it's going to be an extreme version of whatever it is. <laughs> I attribute that to you being raised with cows down the hill. Because <laughs> like in a small town, you have to be very creative in how you keep oh, yourself yeah. entertained. Yeah. Like you probably didn't watch that much TV as a kid, but that's because you could go outside and run for hours and your parents would be like, just be home by the time the sun yeah. goes down. Yeah. Well, and and we lived on this rock hill, right? in the desert and so we didn't have very good tv reception mm-hmm. so we didn't we didn't watch a lot of tv and then um i went to byu and they don't allow alcohol and so a lot of college so students entertain themselves yeah <laughs> a lot of college students entertain themselves with alcohol so i remember leaving byu and going to ASU, um, Arizona State University for my master's, and they're known as like the party school. And so people there were like, how did you, like, what did you do in college, right? You you didn't drink, like what? And so then, I, I mean, I talked about some of the things, we, we did, we had to come up with like the randomest things to do to like keep ourselves entertained for free and sober <laughs> right mm-hmm. and so but i remember them being like huh this sounds kind of fun and i was like 
yeah stick with me kid yeah <laughs> i gotcha <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i would say uh, maybe that fun aspect there is fun in heidi she's that like half productive mm-hmm. half like let's have a good time and it's like a constant what am i gonna do right now be productive or I always joke about how by I'm really responsible until like Thursday. And then by Thursday, I'm so tired of being responsible. I want to I run away and join the circus. And so I just want to like open, like break open the doors and just like run down the street. Be like, I'm free, get me out of here. No more responsibility. <laughs> and so sometimes people be like, so have you, are you halfway to the circus yet? Almost. I am almost <laughs> breaking free of this. Because um, I just also like to really have a good time. So another thing about you that I know, you like to travel. Yes. Do you have a favorite trip you've been on? Where are some of the f- your favorite places you've been? Because you so, love domestic and foreign travel. Yes. Um, okay, so my favorite place in the world is London. I love London. London just encapsulates everything beautiful. It's just so great. So I um, so I went as a high school student and then I did a study abroad there and then I took my students there. And then I went one time by myself. Really? Yeah. It was great. I recommend it because every other time I had gone, I had gone with a new person or you know someone who hadn't been which i love showing people london because i love it and i love to like show them my favorite places um but i went by myself and i could do whatever i wanted and see whatever shows i wanted and spend as much time as i wanted where i wanted so i went to st paul's and i went in and 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 i just sat there and they were rehearsing for a concert they were going to have and so there was just this glorious music and i just got to sit there and listen and any if i had been with other people they would have been like okay we've seen check st paul's check let's go mm-hmm. on we've got to see westminster's check okay now we got to go see big ben check and i didn't have to i just sat there and just loved what i was hearing and like the experience i was having and then i went and i walked through the park and i got a sandwich from the corner store um probably saying this wrong because i'm sure it's french but pret-a-manger has like these great sandwiches could get my little sandwich go sit in the park i didn't have to run to trafalgar square i didn't have to you know whatever um usually when you would go you would see like les mis or phantom i've seen those so instead i went and saw harry potter it was great (laughs) um you know so that i would say that was one of my favorite trips i love london i love because it's like I love history, so it you know has tons of that. I love architecture, has tons of that. It um, some of the books that I read, like literature-wise, so many characters have passed through London. Fake characters, right? Fake people, but in my <laughs> mind, they are real. Like in my mind, when I go to Covent Garden. Eliza Doolittle is there like selling her flowers in my mind like the bird lady from Mary Poppins will be on the steps of St. Paul in my mind so like this last time I went um I had just read a book about um cholera and the discovery of cholera and Jon Snow was the epidemiologist that discovered that it was coming out of this particular pump that it was waterborne and I like went to the pump and saw the pump like where so I had like read this book and then I had read this book about um, a serial killer, or not a serial killer, but a killer, 
And um, the guy who solved the case was the same guy who worked on the Jack the Ripper case. And so then, so that was cool because I went on this Jack the Ripper tour while I was there. And then I, anyways, everything just fit together into like books that I had just read. Um, I had just finished Dickens' um, Bleak House, I think. And um, the main guy in it, I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden there's this bookstore with the main guy's name of this book that I just read that was Dickens. And so I went into this bookstore and it was all of these old books of like Dickens and Austin and uh, you know, all of them in like leather bound novels, you know, and stuff, mm. sets that cost thousands of dollars that I didn't touch anything because I was too afraid, right? <laughs> and so anyways, but I just love kind of the intertextuality that happens in London because so many paths have crossed there. If you don't want a city vacation, um, Barbados has great beaches. And I would say Ecuador is highly underrated as a great destination. Like just beautiful, beautiful mountains, beautiful people, excellent food. Um, while I was there, people kept asking me if I felt like home there. Do you feel like home in Ecuador? And I was like, you are the nicest people. <laughs> like, you want me to feel at home here? Um, and they were just, I mean, it was gorgeous. I thought, how have I never heard of Ecuador? I mean, I've heard of Ecuador, obviously, but like, how has no one said, go to Ecuador? That's it's beautiful, right? Because everything was just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, it was, it was fantastic. It was fabulous. Have you traveled a lot by yourself? Did you go to Ecuador by yourself? I went to Ecuador. No, I didn't. So I don't go a lot by myself. My mother doesn't like that. <laughs> um, London was okay because I purposely picked an Airbnb where there was someone else like in the house with me. Hmm. So she would know, right, if I didn't come home at night. And I also worked remotely, like I worked remotely in the morning. Um, we have a London office. And so I would work in the morning and then I had the evenings to kind of go. So at least somebody would know. If I stopped showing up, they would know that mm -hmm. I wasn't at work and I wasn't at the Airbnb, right? Um, and I'm really familiar with London, so I, I feel safe there. Ecuador was a service trip. So I went with, I went by myself in that I didn't know anybody else who was going, but once I got there, there was a group of people and we, um, it was with Choice Humanitarian and we went to a village and helped them build um, a fish pool so that they could have like a fishing resort. And so we um, dug a lot of holes and moved a lot of rocks and painted buildings and made bricks out of mud and straw and um and lived in this little village and slept on the the floor of the schoolhouse and it was fantastic highly recommend it love it yeah one of my absolute favorite things is to see people just shine as they're talking about things that they love and as they're in their element and as you were talking about the books that you read in London, it was just like, that was like your shining <laughs> moment. But really though, like, did you guys see that? Where she just yeah. was so excited and so in your element. And so, yeah. It's so fun, I recommend it. Read books about the places you're going before you go there, right? Like do a little, a little study. I mean, it wasn't on purpose that that happened. It just happened to be the books on my list. Mm -hmm. And then I showed up and everything 
was matching and everything was um, after we did the Jack the Ripper tour. So I was there because I was going on a transatlantic cruise for work. And we were teaching, we were kind of like, trace the path of your ancestors from London to New York, and we'll teach you how to do your family history and stuff. I wanna go on that cruise. Right, so fun. Um, but on the cruise, um, the main one of the main speakers did a series on, her name's Hallie Rubenhold, and she just wrote a book called The Five, where she researched the five women that Jack the Ripper killed. Well, I had just been like two days earlier on the Jack the Ripper tour, but she used Ancestry, us, to um, do a lot of her research. And then her other talk was on women during Jane Austen time period. And we had gone, <laughs> the, one of the coworkers that I was with, um, that I met up with, um, one day was like, Kate, she had never been to London. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll show you around. And, um, what do you want to see? You know, but she was super easygoing. And then she said, well, what do you want to do? Like, is there anywhere that you want to go that no one will ever go with you or you never get out, you know, to do it? So I thought about it and I thought, well, how would you feel about taking a train into the country and going to the inside of the house where they filmed the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> you went to Pepperly. I've been to amazing. several versions of Pepperly. So <laughs> she was this. like, okay. I would have totally done it with you. So we take this train out into the, and I was like, I don't even know if we're gonna show up in the right town or not. Okay, she's like, it's fine. Whatever happens, happens. So we take this train out to this stately home. We do the tour of the inside where you can be like, this is, this is where, She's playing the piano and he looks at her. This is where he's coming down the stairs, right? This is where he's walking along the corridor. Then we stops to look at the painting. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then I get on the ship and she has to talk about Jane Austen. So it was just like everything had just meshed so. And I was like, I need more of this in my life. How can I do this? So I can read books about the places that I'm going so that I can then have something to talk about and have something to reference here. Um, so I did, when I went to Nepal, I read a couple books before I went there. Um, and it was cool because I was able to have more meaningful conversations with the people who lived there. I knew about the revolution. I knew about the orphans. I knew about the lost generation. I knew about, um, after I came back, I read a book about a man eating tiger from there. And I'm really glad I didn't eat that, read that before I went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we were also sleeping on the floor of the school there too. Just stay away tiger. Um, but it was really cool to be able to connect more with like people and the place and, and that experience. Very cool. Awesome. See, and I think I love this because as you were talking about, as I brought up that you don't watch TV, sometimes when people don't watch TV, it's kind of hard to find something to talk to people about. It's hard to find a relatable, not that everything comes from TV and I don't, I mean, I watch a ton, but I don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> Um, but finding relatable pop culture kind of things and you make up for it in books. You have so much to talk about, so much knowledge to share that like I've already added three books to my book list <laughs> from just ones you've referenced. So it's kind of cool to see. I want to be um, well-rounded, right? So even though, like you said, like I don't listen to a lot of, or watch a lot of TV, I still do want to be able to have a conversation, mm -hmm. right? And add, add input, 
have something to say, have something to relate to other people, have something to connect on. I probably connect more with people who read books than who watch a lot of TV. I mean, there have been conversations where I'm like, this whole thing has been about TV or quoting, you know, some The Bachelor. The Bachelor, whatever it is. (laughs) Um, Whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I wanted to have something else to contribute. I do have a long list of books I like, so if anybody wants a recommendation, I have. Tell me what you want. I had a friend who said that she didn't believe that people didn't like to read. She only believed they hadn't found the right book for them yet. Oh, Oh, yeah. And so I I agree with her. Um, She was really good at picking books for people to be Mm -hmm. like, this is the book that will change your life. Or like, this is the book that will hook you, right? Um, And the books that she's chosen for me were that. I love them. They're some of my favorites. I do not acclaim to be as good as she is, but I do have some books that in general, most people have liked. Do you usually get your books from what people suggest to you or you just go to the store and wander the aisles and pick something? How do you find them? A little bit of both. Um, Some recommendations from people who are other readers, right? Um, Sometimes just what um well that one year that i was reading books i didn't know anything about that was just kind of a random pick right so that's really cool just went to overdrive the app libby whatever scrolled through said like okay i really loved endurance ernest shackleton's incredible voyage right show me more books like this and then be like that has four stars Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay yeah um and then sometimes i need more of like more recommendation to be like what am i actually gonna like gotcha well, if you're listening to this and you want to learn more about Heidi, if you can go to the About Us page and there's a little thing for Heidi and we'll have her episode from week 11 and also a secret episode that I've never posted that was going to be for a podcast and it was going to be called like Jesus Cast or something, <laughs> but talking more oh, yeah. about Heidi's spirituality and love of Jesus. Yes. Forgot about that. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Remnus Audio. If you also want to be accountable or record your journal or preserve your memories, head on over to remnusaudio.com and Steph here will take the hard work out of preserving your memories. Yeah, I will. And you don't have to put them on a podcast like we are to share with everyone every week. (laughs)